was. And you don't want to be a statistic. Amen. Uh, so today we're talking about what a man, someone say what a man should look for in a woman. Notice it's not what a boy should look for in a girl. Amen. It's what a man should look for in a woman. Can you say amen to that? Number one, you ready to roll? Buckle up. Let's go. Look for a woman who is a Christian. It's the basic one. Remember last week, this was the first one. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And we found out that uh, 50% of all uh, marriages end in a divorce unless the couple practice these three disciplines, which is what? Read the Bible together, uh, pray together, and go to church Together, when they do that, it moves from 50% to one out of every 1,500 marriages who end in a divorce when you practice those three disciplines. So God knows what he's talking about when he says, do not marry an unbeliever. Because statistically, the odds are stacked against you if you do. Hallelujah! Number two, <laughs> look for a woman that will respect you. And all the brothers said, <laughs> Listen, listen, ladies. Here's something that's going to shock you. Men would rather be respected than loved. A man would rather be respected than loved. So if you master this principle, you will know how men think. Now, brothers, when you look for a woman, just look for a woman who respects you. Respect is the feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. In other words, there must be something about you to respect. <laughs> you can't... Okay, we just went back to last week. <laughs> Okay, back to today. <laughs> it's going to get really deep, so I'm trying to make sure the ladies are loose and, you know, relaxed. <laughs> Think twice if she, number one, criticizes you in public. <laughs> Think twice if she, number two, talks about you with her friends and colleagues. Now, this one is a serious one. If she talks about you with her friends and colleagues in negative light. Yeah. Now, Pastor, how will I know that she's talking about me with her colleagues and her friends in a negative light? Just look at how they treat you. If her friends disrespect you, then she might be communicating something of uh, disrespect in nature about you. See... I'm always going to treat your husband, your wife, the way you train me to treat them. So if you come and tell me that your husband is a dog, I'm going to treat him like one. You know why? Because you just told me he's a dog. So ladies, you need to be careful when you talk about your spouses to, with other people. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Make sure that you talk about them in positive light. See, because if you talk about them in negative light, that energy is going to be transferred to them, and that's the exact same way they are going to treat you. So, brothers, when you are out there looking, look for a woman whose friends, whose family, whose, colleague, whose colleagues look up to you and look at you respectfully because of what she tells them. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Amen. 
Number three. No, before we go to number three, still on respect. If she makes disparaging comments about your family and friends, watch this, she's indirectly talking about you. And that's disrespectful. So if she says, you know, everybody in your family is crazy, <laughs> instead of you agreeing with her, you know what? Everybody in my family is crazy. No, that's a sign. That's, that's some disrespect, not only to you, towards your family, but towards you as well. So think twice when you hear negative, disparaging, uh, undermining comments made about your family. Listen, I, I, I don't come from a rich family, and... Um, when I started dating my wife, man, I was looking for some of these signals. See, because if you start disrespecting where I come from, my mother, my brothers, and so on and so forth, evidently you're not going to respect me because I'm exactly like them. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, brothers, you need to pay attention to this. Respect is vital. It's, it's critical uh, for any relationship. Amen. Number three, look for a woman. I'm going very fast because we have to be finished by 11.30. Look for a woman. That will not neg. Look for a woman that will not neg. The Bible says it is better. <laughs> Listen to me. It says it is better to live at the roof of the house. <laughs> In fact, it didn't say that. In fact, let's go there. Let's go there. So you can read it for yourself. Says quarrelsome woman. Go with me to Proverbs. This is good. Where is that scripture, honey? Do you mind looking for Proverbs? What? Somebody? What? What scripture is that in Proverbs? I'm not. I'm not seeing it here. I didn't put it down. Anybody? Where are the Bible school students? Bible school students, where is it? Rooftop corner. You got it? Hey, and it was a brother who got it. <laughs> Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21:19. Please give it to me, both in the Amplified and in the Message Bible. I like the Amplified, though. Watch what it says. This is the Amplified. It is better to dwell in the desert land than with a contentious woman and with vexation. 25? Proverbs 25:24. This is just this is just a starter. <laughs> This is just a starter, amen? <laughs> I'd rather live in Botswana, Baba. <laughs> Watch what it says. It is better. Someone say better. <laughs> what does that mean? That means I'd rather do this than, than what's about to come, amen? It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop. So he's saying it is, he, he didn't say it is better to live on the roof. He said, even on the roof, I'd rather be in the corner of the roof <laughs> than to share a house with a disagreeing, quarrelsome, and scolding woman. Give it to me in the Message Bible. 
Watch what it says. So ladies, this nagging business has to go. It's better to live alone in a tumble down shack than share a mansion with a nagging spouse. So gentlemen, when you go out to look for a spouse, make sure that you look for a woman that will not nag. Amen. What is to nag? To nag is to annoy by persistent fault finding. In other words, if I say I'm going to take the bin out, I will take the bin out. <laughs> Jesus taught of a, a parable. <laughs> There's no need for you to remind me. Amen. <laughs> Jesus Jesus taught a parable. Remember the story? He taught a parable about uh, uh, a, a treasure man. He said, uh, this merchant was looking, he was a, a, a treasure hunter, a pearl hunter. And what he did is he, he went looking for pearls. And then the Bible says when he found the pearl, he went and sold everything that he had and came back. But when he came back, watch what he did. The Bible says he bought the whole field because of the pearl. Now, in relationships, there are two kinds of people. There are treasure hunters and there are field surveyors. Now, a field surveyor will buy a field with a pearl, but instead of focusing on the pearl, they will focus on all the weeds and all the dirt and all the rocks and all the ugly stuff about the field. And then a treasure hunter will buy the whole field, but instead of focusing on all the ugly stuff, will pay attention and focus on all the good stuff. Now, nagging is persistent fault-finding. There are just some people, it doesn't matter what you do, they'll find something wrong with anything. You could come into a church service and everything is flowing. Man, they'll, they'll tell you, man, that light wasn't working. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Amen. And there are certain individuals that are married to great, great spouses, but they fail to enjoy their marriages and their relationships because they're a nag. They choose to look for the faults instead of celebrating the treasures. Amen. One of the first things we tell uh, couples when they come out to do uh, pre-divorce counseling, because before you divorce, we have to counsel you, find out what's going on, why you want a divorce, and so on and so forth. One of the things we ask them is, uh, what's great about your spouse? And then, man, when they get to, think of, to thinking about that, they start listing. Oh, man, I like their smile. I like uh, their humor. I like, I like them. I like their respect. I like all of them. And then we ask them, so why are you divorcing them? Say, man, I just don't know. I don't feel like it anymore. <laughs> well, brothers and sisters, marriage and love and commitment has nothing to do with feelings. Love, in and of itself, is not a feeling. It is a commitment. It is a decision. That you make, that you're going to stay with this woman. You're going to stay with this man all of the days of your life. Amen? And when you make that decision, you need to follow through. Remember last week we talked about people, uh, two weeks ago, about people that asked us whether there's uh, something called the one. You know, the one. Pastor, I'm looking for the one. And that's one of the reasons we get when people are getting ready to divorce. Pastor, I just feel like they're not the one. You know? They're not the one. And we said, listen. They said, Pastor, is there anything called the one? And you said, listen, whoever you choose is, is the one. See, once you choose them, they become the one for you. So there is no cop-out, there is no uh, 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 going back on your word, because once you choose them, they are the one. 
So ladies, uh, brothers, when you go out looking, look for a woman that will not nag. And listen, I'm not saying go out and look for a woman and make her not to nag. It's not your responsibility to change people. Just look for one who just doesn't nag. Hallelujah. Moving right along. What number was that? Three? All right. So be a treasure hunter. Tell your neighbor that. Be a treasure hunter and not a field surveyor. Number four, look for a woman that is not manipulative. You know that Jezebel spirit and so on and so forth. Uh, in, a, in a marriage relationship, it works like this. It is just even when you're still dating, if you meet someone who wants to get uh, your attention uh, through manipulative ways, uh, by becoming a victim and so on and so forth, it's a sign to you that you're going to have to live with this all of the days of your life. You know, people want to get attention uh, through exaggerating facts. You know, they'll say something like, you know, I had a terrible childhood. But when you start investigating, you find out, man, everybody had a terrible childhood. <laughs> Amen. Or, or, you know, something small happens in a relationship, but when they go to tell somebody about it, it's all exaggerated because they're trying to, you know, get attention. So that's manipulative in nature. Hallelujah. I'm not even going to get into that uh, uh, spirit, but it's a red flag. If someone uh, also says to you that you are my mate because God told me, that's manipulative in nature. You know why? Because if God tells you, you will also tell the other person. You know, a lot of people use this scripture, Matthew 11, 24, whatsoever thing you desire, when you pray, believe you've received it, and you shall. I didn't hear that. That's what the Bible says, right? And then they go out and say, okay, I want Pastor T. But the problem with that is Pastor T is married. Or Pastor T might not want you. Amen. So whatsoever thing you desire must also desire you. When it comes to individuals, so that you don't violate an individual's free will. You can say amen to that. So that's manipulative in nature. Amen. When brothers, brothers, when someone comes to you and they tell you, I got a prophetic word that I must marry you. Run. Hallelujah. <laughs> Number five, look for a woman that believes in you. Not in Brad Pitt, not in Jacob Zuma, but you. Amen. When your wife believes in you, brother, you have your oxygen supply. It's already tough in the field with all the other stakeholders. You don't want to come home and face some more opposition. And it's not your job to make her believe in you. Just find the one that believes in you. Amen? So while you're still looking, don't say, Hey, Pastor, I found this woman, but she nags. She doesn't believe in me, and she's disrespectful, but I'm going to stick with her because I'm believing God. No, you don't have to believe God for nothing. Just look for the one that will respect you, believe in you, and uh, want to be with you for the rest of her days. Amen? Number six, look for a woman who understands submission. Submission. It's not a curse word, ladies. It's not a curse word. Submission. And, and here's the reason why a lot of ladies think that submission is a curse word. It is because it has been taught the wrong way. The Bible never said women submit to men. Never said that. It said wives submit 
to your own husbands. It didn't even say submit to the South African National Husbands Association. It says choose one and submit to that one. It didn't say women should submit to men. And let me tell you guys, submission is not an act. Submission is an attitude that produces the act of obedience. You can be in disobedience, but still in submission. You can go to your husband and say, honey, I'm still going to go to church. I, don't want, I know you don't want me to go to church, but I'm going to church. I, you know, and I love you. And then you walk out. You are in submission. You are just not going to obey. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there is a difference between submission and obedience. Submission is the attitude that you convey. There are certain people that are in agreement, that, that are in submission, quote-unquote, uh, but it's not really submission because it's just obedience without the right attitude. And what it is in nature is it's slavery. So you have to understand submission. You have to understand the attitude of treating your husband as, watch this, Sarah said, Lord. Pastor Lord, well, you call the guy you are renting from Lord all the time. Why? You won't even call your husband Lord, but you call the guy you are renting from Lord. Landlord all the time is my Lord of the land. But you come to church, we say, Sarah said to Abraham, Lord, and you say, no, Pastor, I won't tell this guy Lord. Here it is, ladies. Treat your husband better than you treat everybody else. Those of you who are married. Uh, when my wife and I got married in 2011, uh, we got a, a nice a set of silver cutlery as a gift. And then when we came home, um, just like our parents, she was going to put the silver cutlery away, you know. And I said, honey, why are you putting the silver cutlery away? She said, man, we need to keep this for when the visitors come. I said, no. No, you can't keep this for the visitors. We, I am the most important person in this house. I'm the king of the castle, from the cradle to the grave. Amen? And I said, listen, we, we have to use the nice stuff, this nice silver color. We have to eat the nice food. And then when the visitors come, we take out the plastic stuff. Amen? See, because we are wired to think that we should treat everybody else better than our own spouses here is the order of priority on how you should treat people treat whoever you are going to spend the the most time with better than everybody else you're going to spend time uh, eternity with god so treat him better than everybody else. right after god you're going to spend the most of your time with your wife your husband treat them better than everybody else before you come to church you're going to spend more time with your kids treat your kids better than us and then when you come to church, treat us better than the people out there. That's the order of priority. Don't cook a nice meal when the pastor visits you. That's the reason we don't have men in the church. Because I wouldn't go to that church. I'll tell you up front. Man, when my wife is always talking about the pastor, oh, pastor is so anointed, oh, pastor preached a good man, oh, pastor is this, oh, pastor that. Man, I ain't going to that church. I'm not going. I'll tell you, man. You can go and take the kids. That's the reason we don't have men in the church, man. We treat, we treat the pastor like he's God Jr. He's not. <laughs> Amen. Treat your husbands better. Hallelujah. So guys, look for a woman who understands submission. 
Uh, we also have another issue of uh, feminists uh, versus feminism. You know, feminists are crying out for equal rights, you know that stuff? What they don't realize is they're already equal to men. Amen. They just have a different role. Yeah. In fact, if we are to look at it, guys got the short end of a very long stick. You know what God said to the man? He said, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Jesus Christ died for the church. So ladies, if you want, we can swap roles. You die for us and we submit. <laughs> Hallelujah. See man, this is it. God, guys got the short end of a very long stick. And this feministic stuff is confusing everybody. In fact, ladies, uh, enjoy the feminists' uh, uh, movements when we are dealing with uh, equal rights and so on and so forth. But when it comes to chivalry, you know, pulling chairs and, and, and opening doors, they want to switch and say, no, I, I don't want equal rights. <laughs> you must pull the chair. You must open my doors. And then they switch over. And, and guys are confused. And I believe this is why chivalry is dead. Women killed it. Amen. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Next point. Look for a woman who fears God and serves Him. Proverbs chapter number 31 from verse 29 to 31. In the Message Bible, Chris. Proverbs 31 from verse 29 to 31. Is this helping uh, uh, gentlemen out there? Uh, you know what to look for? Many women have done wonderful things, but you have outclassed them. Next verse. Charm can mislead, and beauty soon fades. So to the bachelors, I hope you're not going out there looking for the wrong thing. See, because if you go out there looking for uh, the Coca-Cola bottle shape, you're looking for the wrong thing altogether. Have you noticed out of all these points that I've mentioned, nothing has to do with the physical appearance? Because that doesn't count when it comes to marriage. Uh, a few years ago, there had a woman uh, in Hollywood. You might know her name, but I'm not going to say it because we're recording. Uh, she... Uh, was uh, the most beautifulest woman in the world. Of course, I don't subscribe to that s statistic because they didn't, you know, consider my wife in there. <laughs> All right? <laughs> she was voted... <laughs> she was voted uh, four years in a row, the most, the most beautiful lady in the whole world, four years in a row. And then you'd think when she gets married, she would out outlast everybody because... Uh, She's beautiful. She's more beautiful than everybody, according to Hollywood. But as we speak today, I think she's on a fifth or sixth marriage. See, so marriage is not determined by how beautiful you look. It is determined by how much of God you include in your marriage. Marriage is a three-legged chair. And if one of the legs is missing, those three legs are your, your husband, your wife, and God. If one of the legs is missing, uh, it's going to fall over, topple over and fall. Amen? So beauty fades. Beauty fades. The woman to be admired and praised is a woman who lives in the what? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. 
So the woman who is to be admised, admired and praised is the woman who has a six pack. Is that what he said? Oh, let me try again. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who has a B double O T Y. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? All right, one more time. Let's try. <laughs> the woman, we're in South Africa now, the woman to be admired and praised is the yellow bone. <laughs> Notice he didn't say any of that. <laughs> and yet, that's what we go out and look for. You know? This is where we live. You know, I'm not just trying to be funny, but this is how men out there think. This is why we have to teach this message. The woman who is to be admired is the woman who fears God. If you meet that woman, brothers, marry her pronto today. Namklanje. Today. Marry that woman. Hallelujah. Next point. Number seven. Number eight. Number seven, right? Look for a woman who is not desperate. Desperation is defined as having lost hope. It is a feeling of despair because of hopelessness. Hope is a vital ingredient for a successful marriage. It is called the hope quotient. If we don't have hope, we become discouraged, and discouraged people become destructive people. Don't marry a woman who will marry anything on two feet. Marry a woman who has standards. Amen. Amen. Marry a woman who has a list of things that she will do and a list of things that she won't do according to scripture. When you find that woman, marry that woman because she's full of hope. The hope that you need for your marriage to survive and be exciting. Amen. In fact, hope is the basic foundation of... uh, 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 our faith of, of our lifestyle. Remember, we, we, we walk by faith and not by uh, sight. You know, faith, uh, uh, that's where we live. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things what? See, if you don't have hope, you cannot get into faith. It is the evidence of things not seen. So marry a woman who is full of hope. That even if she misses your bus, there's another bus coming. Oh. That's when you get crazy. They'll tell you up front, man, this is crazy. And I'm not going to tolerate this because I know where I stand. I know I have standards. And that's the woman you want to marry. Not just a woman who will do anything for anybody because she's trying to please everybody because she feels the biological tick is clocking louder and, you know, she will marry anything with teeth. (laughs) Amen. Don't go for that woman because you're going to be in trouble. Hallelujah. Number nine, look for a woman who thinks well of you. Your wife is your number one cheerleader. The most important relationship outside of your relationship with God is your relationship with your wife. Amen. <laughs> and all the bro- married brothers said, amen. Well, they, they're keeping their amen. <laughs> they're keeping their amen on that one. Let me tell you. This is the only way to enjoy your marriage. The most important relationship. Tell that to your neighbor. The most important relationship 
outside of your relationship with God is your relationship with your spouse. That's the only excuse I receive with a grateful heart. When people tell me, hey, Pastor T, I'm not going to be able to attend live group because I'm taking my wife for our anniversary or something of that nature. Man, I like that. I'm like, man, this is a good excuse. This is not even an excuse. This is a reason for not coming. Everything else is an excuse. You know, I'm not able to go home uh, on time because I have to work or whatever. That's just an excuse. The most important relationship outside of your relationship with your spouse, uh, outside of your relationship with God, is with your spouse. So look for a wife who is your cheerleader. This is the reason why God uh, uh, created Eve in the first place. Remember the story? He said, Adam needs a helper. He he needs a helpmeet. He needs someone who will cheer him on. See, when you come back home, man, you, you want your wife to say, Ah, daddy. <laughs> daddy, oh yeah. Don't, don't, don't marry a woman that cheers everybody else on. You know, David Beckham, Cristiano Ronaldo. And she's just cheers everybody else but you. Look for a woman who is your cheerleader. Amen? You just go to the gym one day, you come back, say, Oh, look at that bicep. Amen. You 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 come up with a business plan, man. Behind every successful man, there's a what? A great woman. Amen. Because we need that, gentlemen. If you're going to be a success in what you do, you need a wife who is a cheerleader, not a wife who criticizes everything. You know, you come up with a business plan. Yeah, but yeah. And I strive for it. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> it's already been done. This. Hey, man. My wife was like, translate. <laughs> hey, man. So look for a wife who cheers you on. Because that's what you need. That's the oxygen you need from home. And you know, your children are born with this thing. God knew that you needed some cheerleading in your house and he put it in your children children don't have to be taught to think that their dad or their mother is the greatest they just know it inherently they just know that you know what my dad is the greatest my dad will beat your dad <laughs> they say no my dad will beat your dad have you ever heard them? my children believe in their parents and that's how you should believe in your husband my husband is the best husband in the world my wife is the best wife in the world and guys look for a wife look for a woman who is your number one not number two number one cheerleader your woman must believe in you you know why because your opinion matters you might say ah pastor i don't care what you think you know you do (laughs) every married person cares what their spouses think there is nothing as hurtful as your own spouse telling you, Baba, you're nothing. You might say, Ah, don't care what you say, but man, when you are in that car alone, they're like, Man, I, I think I'm nothing. You know why? Because she's the person whose opinion that matters to you the most. Amen? We have about four minutes. Number? Number ten. <laughs> Look for a woman who is trustworthy. If you don't trust her, you are probably making her as bitter as you are making yourself. So there are two elements to this. Number one, she might be trustworthy, but if you don't trust her, it makes her untrustworthy to you. 
and it's going to make her bitter. You know why? Because when she leaves the house, she's going to pick up the... Yeah, where are you? <laughs> Who are you with? And she's in the mall. Who's that male voice that I hear in the background? <laughs> it's the security guard. I'm at the mall. Fool. Amen. And you're making a bitter because you don't believe she's trustworthy. So there are two elements to this. She must be trustworthy, but she must also be trustworthy to you. Man, I have friends that have put, um, you know, GPS trackers on their wives' cars in secret. Just so they can monitor their moves, yeah. And then they are looking at the GPS and then they pick up the phone. Hello, where are you? And then, you know, people in Africa are not usually honest about where they are. They say... They say, I'm around the corner when they are in Kempton Park. So she says, I'm around the corner and says, no, you are in Kempton Park. How did you know someone just saw you? <laughs> no, you are looking at the GPS. And you don't trust her. And you know what that does? It makes that woman bitter. And you don't want to make that woman bitter. <laughs> no, you don't. You, trust me, you don't want to make her bitter. Whatever you do. Don't make a bitter. So marry a woman that you can trust. If you can trust her, maybe you're not ready to date her, or maybe you need to work on your confidence issues within yourself. Why don't you stand on your feet? Amen. Was that good? Yes. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here and you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're saying, Pastor... I want to be with Jesus from today onwards. Just lift your hand wherever you are. We'll lead you in a prayer and get you hooked up. Amen. Jesus is your number one man. Jesus is your number one man. Just lift your hand wherever you are. Going once, going twice, and gone. We're going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for all the single people in this church. Father, we thank you for you have blessed them with a legacy that is not determined by the person they are going to marry. Father, we thank you that you have blessed them with a wholeness that is not determined by any outside force. But Father, above all, we thank you for you have provided them with a mate that will bring them joy. You have provided them with a mate that will celebrate them. You provided them with the help meet that is accurate for th where they are going. That will not hinder their progress, but that will help and speed up their progress and their speed towards their destination. Father, we thank you for every marriage relationship under the sound of my voice. We speak the blessings of God beyond measure in their marriage. They will not lack any good thing. They will not lack your anointing. They will not lack your discernment. They will not lack a God kind of respect. They will love one another unconditionally. Father, we thank you that in this season, weddings, in this season, divine encounters, in this season, we are meeting with our right mates. We thank you for the clarity of the voice within. That we will know when we meet them. That this is the right one. This is the God sent one. We speak against any distractions. 
in the mighty matchless name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for healing every heart, every broken heart. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for erasing all of the hurts in the past. Father, we thank you for purging all our conscience from all dead works. That which has happened in the past will not determine our destinies in the future. It will not affect, it will not hinder our progress and where we are going. In the mighty name of Jesus, we will not live in the past. We will not live in the past. Oh yes, Lord, we might have been hurt in the past, but we're ready to commit to the future. We will not destroy our future because of what happened in the past. I stand in lieu of every single person in this place today and say whatsoever happened to you in the past is, is done. It is gone. Let go. Forgive. Release. I speak against all bitterness right now in Jesus' name. You shall not carry unforgiveness in your next relationship. You shall not carry bitterness in your next relationship. You shall not be hesitant to love because of what happened to you in the past. In the name of Jesus, we restore hope in this place. In Jesus' name, hope in, in the life of every single person. That's under the sound of my voice. Father, we thank you. Father, we honor you and we give you praise. Right now we pray for the men that are looking to get married in this season. We speak provisions. We speak open doors of opportunities. Put the blessing in their hands. Activate the blessing in their lives. They will not lack any good thing. But they will provide for their families. No limits. No limitations. They will not lack any good thing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every marriage in this house is flourishing. It is flourishing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every single person just shout, I'm ready. <laughs> You're ready. And God will take care of it. Amen. Amen. Man, let me tell you, don't bring your past hurts into this new season. Forgive and let go. Oh yes, they did it. They hurt you. They said some hurtful stuff. Oh yes, they did it. They abused you. Oh yes, they did. But it's time to let go. Don't bring your past life into this new season. Be ready to love, watch this, recklessly. Ah, Pastor and Dagambojiwamari and Chateng. I won't spend a penny anymore. Nope. Just be ready. Amen. And remember these words from Second Corinthians five seven. For we by faith and not by we love you. God bless you. Amen.
Uh, next week, please make sure you invite your friends. We're going to be talking about uh, marriage, still hookups and heartbreaks. Uh, single people, you want to just know a little bit about marriage from the Bible perspective. So see you next week. We love you. God bless you. See you next door. There is a faith cafe open for you.